So we'll go ahead and pray and bless the offering, which you can give it, put in the box in the back, or you can give online, and then we'll move forward. Lord, we thank you for providing for us in so many ways. And we thank you for these tithes and offerings and gifts that we can give to you and so into your kingdom, Lord, for a good harvest. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust you for each and everything. We thank you for your abundance and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, switching gears and putting on my preaching hat this morning. We are... So I'm going to be speaking for the next couple weeks and um, going to be doing a biblical overview. So um, this kind of goes along a lot with what um, I teach in my class. Um, and then, uh, so I, a lot of this information I took from the What's in the Bible program that I teach my class, which is actually really good. And if all adults were okay with puppets, it would be awesome for all adults to watch as well. Um, and then also I've been listening to uh, um, theological professor, his name is John Whitaker, and um, listening to a teaching that he's doing also on a um, uh, overview of the Bible. So I'm going to teach about that, which would then kind of give us this big umbrella, and then as we are learning more as we go along, we can just drop in here and there. We've kind of got this big um, overview of the Bible. So find this. And we'll go from there. So this is my first time using slides, so hopefully I do everything correctly here. And also, I just want to make sure that this is actually the laser pointer. Perfect. Um, so first, I want to just start by talking about um, what is the Bible. And most of us here... so. This might seem elementary for some here, but also it's good for us to um, know a lot of this stuff. For if people ask us questions, we kind of have that overview. Um, for some of us, it's a refresher. And we also have youth in the room, so it's good to make sure that we are including everybody. So the Bible. The Bible is a library of books. There's 66 books in the Bible, and there's books of history, poetry, prophecy, and letters that were written to different people um, or churches. The books of the Bible were written over a span of about 1,600 years and by more than 40 different authors. So the Bible is divided into two sections, um, the Old Testament and the New Testament. I just want to have fun with the laser pointer a little bit. So the word testament comes from the Latin word testamentum, which means oath or covenant. And covenant means promise. So um, it is the old promise and the new promise. Each section tells the story of the promise that God made and how he kept that promise and what that means to us today. So the... Um, start. We'll start with the Old Testament. The Old Testament has 39 books, 
in the Protestant Bible. It has 46 books in the Catholic Bible and 50 books in the Orthodox Bible. And some people ask why do different Bibles um, have a different number of books? So I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to yeah, change the slide. So it starts back in 400 AD with a man named Jerome who attempted to translate the Old Testament from Hebrew to Latin. And Latin at the time was the official language of the church. The current Old Testament at that time was in Greek, and it was called the Septuagint. It was the Old Testament used by Jews and Christians that spoke Greek. The Septuagint had 15 extra books of Jewish history and writings that had been translated from Hebrew to Greek, Um, but they weren't a part of the official Jewish Bible. So Jerome's Latin Bible included books from the Septuagint uh, with a note that they were not as important as the official books of the Jewish Bible. But when Martin Luther um, and other reformers translated the Bible to other languages like German and English, they took those extra books and put them in their own section, which was called the Apocrypha, because they weren't part of the Jewish Bible. Eventually, most Protestant Bibles dropped those books altogether, but some of the books are still in Catholic and Orthodox Bibles, and that is why there is a different number of books. The more you know. (laughs) So just so you know. Because you're curious. So um, the Old Testament can be divided into four sections. Um, There's a lot of dividing that I'm going to be doing today because you can divide a lot of things into a lot of sections. Um, But the Bible can be divided into four sections. Um, So the uh, first section is the Pentateuch, which means five books. Um, sorry, I'm going to change. Nope, I'm staying there. The Pentateuch, which means five books. Um, we can, and then the historical books, the books of the prophets, and then writings or wisdom literature. The New Testament can be divided, um, the New Testament has 27 books, and uh, it can be divided into four sections. The uh, Gospels, which tells the story of Jesus. The Acts of the Apostles, which is the early days of the church and Paul's missionary trips. The Epistles, which means letters. And um, Revelation to John. So the New Testament is the story of Jesus and the beginning of the church. So who wrote the books of the Bible? Uh, The books of the Bible were inspired by God And the authors chose the words to write down. So God wasn't dictating word for word. God inspired that, and they wrote down. But sometimes there were times when God told them specifically, write down these words, and they wrote down those words. Um, There's been some debate um, about who wrote certain books, but generally this is what most Christians believe regarding um, the authors. So um, Moses wrote the... Oops, sorry, that was not my laser... I'm not going back. There we go. Um, So Moses wrote the first five books, the Pentateuch, so Genesis through Deuteronomy. Um, Jewish tradition says that Ezra wrote first and second chronicles. Uh, Here we go. And Ezra. 
um, than Nehemiah. David wrote some of the Psalms, and um, Solomon wrote um, Proverbs, and most likely Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. Um, the major and minor prophets are believed to be written by the men that the books are named after. So this section here, major prophets, minor prophets. The um, And uh, Jeremiah may also have written Lamentations. In the New Testament, the Gospels are written by the men that they are named for. Um, Luke wrote um, Acts. Um, these are all... Romans through Philemon, written by Paul. Those are his letters to, you know, these epistles, letters to people or churches. And then, um, uh, sorry, I lost my place. Um, Peter wrote First and Second Peter, and um, uh, Peter wrote First and Second Peter, and uh, Jesus' Jesus's brother James wrote. James and John also wrote for second, third John and Revelation. There's a few books that have unknown authors, but we still trust those books because they're in the Bible. And not only do we believe that the books themselves, the authors, um, were inspired by God, but that the putting together the Bible and which books were chosen were also inspired by God, by the Holy Spirit. Um, the, so the Bible is one big story, and it has a beginning that sets up the who and the where and what the problem is, and the middle where the characters try to make things right or fix what was broken in the beginning, and an end where we find out if the characters' efforts worked and can they make their world whole again. The Bible can also be broken down in that book into chapters. And so for my talk over the next few weeks, we're going to kind of break it down into these chapters. I'm not talking for eight weeks, but this is how how we're going to kind of break it down. So we've got um, creation and the patriarchs, um, the escape, judges, united kingdom, divided kingdom, the captivity, return and rebuilding, and then New Testament, which is Jesus and the church. Um, so let's, we're going to move on and talk about creation and the patriarchs, which is all covered in the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis. So Genesis means beginning, so that's appropriate that it's at the beginning of the Bible, since it means beginning. There's 50 chapters in the book of Genesis, and Genesis can be divided into two parts. We're going to be doing a lot of dividing things into parts because it's easier to learn things when we're breaking them down. So um, Genesis can be divided into two parts. The first 11 chapters are the first part, and it can be called primeval history, which means the story of the first age, um, or the story of what happened first. The second part is patriarchal history, and that is the account of God saving the world through a series of fathers. So we're going to start with um, primeval history. So the first 11 chapters uh, set the stage for the rest of the Bible and for all of history. It's really important um, that we know what happens in those first 11 chapters of Genesis or else um, really our 
our world doesn't make sense and the rest of the Bible doesn't make sense if you don't understand um, those first 11 chapters. So Genesis um, starts, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So um, Genesis goes into, gives a, an account of God speaking the world into being. So with this whole overview, I'm really just touching lightly on a lot of things. Um, you can Obviously, I encourage you to go and dive in deeper, but we can't touch on anything or I'd be teaching for the whole year or touch on everything. So, um, so it goes into days of creation and God speaking the world into being. On the sixth day of creation, God made man in his image. Um, male and female, he made them in his image. We were created to be in relationship with God and to be in charge and care for his creation. So to be in charge of his creation and to care for it. God gave us free will because love can only happen when there's free will. So robots, um, there's no free will in robots and they can't love. So Adam and Eve were the first people created and God put them in the Garden of Eden, which was perfect and it was a paradise. God planted two trees in the garden the tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, but they um, were commanded to not tr- eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They could eat of the tree of life, but not the, not one, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, so we've talked about that a lot lately, so I'm going to keep on moving from there. So the serpent, um, who was the deceiver, came... And um, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And so right there, Adam and Eve had a choice to make, whether to trust God or to trust the serpent. And they chose to go their own way and to eat the forbidden fruit. And sin entered man and creation. Sin is, uh, just to break down sin quick, sin is when we ignore God and choose to go our own way. Our choices tell God, um, when we sin, our choice tells God, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do it my own way. So, um, kind of breaking it, when we break it down like that a little bit, kind of po- points at our rebellion um, when we choose to go our own way. Adam and Eve broke faith with God, their creator and father, Harmony and order was broken, and that is why there's chaos, destruction, and brokenness in the world. Because God is so pure and holy, he can't be near sin. The serpent knew that. When, um, he knew that, and so he knew that uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, they could no longer be near God. God wants to save us from sin. And what it does to us, because the price of sin is death, and God wants to restore faith, trust, and relationship once again. So that is our original thing. That is now the problem in our story, is that there is broken relationship. And so from here, God is working to uh, his plan of salvation to restore that relationship. So Adam and Eve have to leave the garden so they can't eat from the tree of life. And Adam and Eve then have two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain is jealous of Abel 
and kills him, and that is the first um, murder. As people spread and multiply over the earth, um, sin also multiplies over the earth. And the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So, uh, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord told Noah that he was going to flood the whole earth um, because he needed to wipe sin out, and he wanted to start over with a clean slate. But he chose Noah um, to continue on um, the human race and to save um, two of each animal and seven of each kind of bird um, to continue on um, the animals. And um, so he gave him directions to on how to build the ark. And um, Noah obeyed God, and he built the ark, and God brought the animals and the birds and everything to him. And along with Noah, um, he took his wife, his three sons, and their wives, and they were in the ark um, for almost a whole year um, before all the water came down and the ark rested on a mountain. So after the flood, God commanded them to multiply and spread out across the world. They... Uh, did not listen, and so as they multiplied, they stayed together in one region, and that is where the Tower of Babel comes in. Well, let me read this. And um, and then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. So um, they were, I'm putting the Leaning Tower of Pisa as my Tower of Babel. Um, and, uh, so they, they didn't scatter across the earth. They stayed together. And when people are together and they speak one language and they're unified, they can do great things. God knows that they can do great things. And that's why he does want us to be unified, but they were unified in sin and pride. And he didn't want them to be unified in sin and pride and sin to, you know, be all over the earth. So that's why he confused their language and scattered them over all the earth. So that's how people finally spread out from there. So that's the end of primeval history. That is a sum up of the first 11 chapters of the Bible. So the next step in God's rescue plan takes us to um, patriarchal history and a man named Abram. And this isn't, oh, because Jonathan's moving everything for me because I forgot to turn my clicker on. Is that, no, it's working? Sorry. Oh, somehow my clicker turned off in my fuss. All right. Um, I'm actually going to take a quick drink of water. Okay, so we're going to move on to Abram and Sarai. So in about 2000 BC, um, and I, when I think about that, 
um, as far as 2000 BC, God speaking to Abram, that's about the same distance of time between Abram and Jesus as it is from us going backwards to Jesus. So in 2000 BC, um, God spoke to a man named Abram and, uh, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. So, uh, God was, was choosing, um, he was ready to take the next step in his rescue plan and he was choosing a man and his wife to, um, to do the next step, um, to set a, a people aside for himself. So God, um, God, uh, let me finish this on. Sorry, I forgot I had these other ones too. I was like, where are those other verses? I forgot I put it in three, uh, three slides. Um, so uh, let me go back again. So the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So God uh, gave Abram a new name, which was Abraham, um, which means father of many, and his wife, Sarai, was changed to Sarah. And, um, and God had given him all of these promises, which is people refer to as like the Abrahamic covenant. So this is everything kind of goes back to this and this promise. This is where God is promising to make Abraham a great nation, which this is where the, um, the Jewish nation comes from, where the Israelites come from, um, that he will make his name great and he will be a blessing besides them being a blessing all through, you know, all through history. Um, Jesus is that blessing that comes from that line. And, um, and there's, um, obviously blessings on that. So, um, when Abraham was a hundred years old, they had, um, Isaac. And that was a miracle um, because they were past um, childbearing age at that point. And um, so God was showing them that it wasn't through their strength, um, but that um, he would make a way. And that's a theme that we see throughout the Bible, um, is God eliminating the possibility of being able to say, um, that I did it on my own. Um, so God had promised, made a promise um, to Abraham and Sarah um, that Sarah would have a child and that all the promises would go through him. That child is Isaac. Abraham and Sarah were a bit impatient, and so Sarah um, gave Abraham her servant and to have a child, thinking that you know, they would have the promise through that child, and that was Ishmael. So Abraham did have other children. Um, after Sarah died, he married again, and he also had these children. Um, but the promise goes through Isaac. Isaac was the child of promise. So that's where the lineage um, 
that goes down to Jesus comes through um, Isaac. So Abraham and Sarah and Isaac. So um, God tested Abraham. Um, we know the story of God um, asking Abraham to sacrifice Isaac as a test. And um, Abraham uh, went through with that test and God told him not to kill Isaac and provided a ram instead. So um, Abraham proved faithful and it was credited to him as righteousness. So in Abraham's old age, he had Isaac. Isaac grew up. Abraham wanted Isaac to have a wife, not from the Canaanites um, by where they lived, but back from his family. So God provided a way and um, Isaac married Rebekah. Isaac and Rebekah had twin sons, Jacob and Esau. But it was prophesied that Jacob would be the greater, even though he was the second born of the twins. And um, Jacob was the one that was blessed, even though he was sneaky and deceitful at times. But you can read through Genesis and read more about that. And um, and so the line continues through Jacob. We follow Jacob's story. So God chose to bless Jacob and continue a plan through him. And um, and Jacob gets a name change. Um, he wrestles with God, and um, then the the man said, "Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome." So that is the where the name Israel comes from. Is from Jacob. Jacob has um, twelve sons, and. Um, by a series of also so the people in the Old Testament can be a little messed up sometimes <laughs> but you know what so are we and God still uses us and God used them so um, Jacob had 12 sons um, he also had um, a daughter and um, uh, as well but um, the 12 sons is what we're talking about today so um Jacob's, uh, so the line of Jesus and down to David, which we'll talk about eventually, um, and Jesus, that goes through um, by his wife Leah through Judah, and um, that's where the line of Jesus comes from. But I'm going to talk for a moment about Joseph, um, who was born to Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. So um, we, uh, if you've heard the story of Joseph... Joseph was the favorite, and um, his brothers were very jealous of him. And because he was the favorite, Joseph had dreams of his family bowing down to him. He shared that, and his brothers hated him even more. And um, so they um, sold him into slavery, and he was taken to Egypt, um, where God used him and raised him through a series of events, raised him up until he was the second in command under Pharaoh. So Joseph went through a lot of hardship, but God did raise him up um, to save the family, save his family, and save the nations um, by storing up food and eating Egypt before a famine happened. And um, so God used Joseph in that way to, um, in the salvation plan, to save the remnant, to save Isaac, or save Jacob and his family um, so that they could continue on. 
the at that time, um, Jacob's family uh, they were called Hebrews. They went down. There was through the famine. The brothers went to Egypt, um, and uh, they ended up before Joseph. And when all was revealed that he was their brother, he had them come down and live in Egypt in the area of Goshen. So um, that is kind of how the that is how. Um, Jacob's family ends up in Egypt and um, they do well there for a time and they have food and they're blessed and um, Pharaoh gives them uh, the best land there because he loves Joseph. Um, but uh, a time comes when a uh, new Pharaoh comes into power Joseph's died, new Pharaoh comes into power, and he doesn't remember Joseph and all the good things that he's done. And um, they start to feel threatened by the Israelites because they've um, multiplied so much and they have become a great nation in in uh, Egypt. So um, they... Uh, that's that's where we're going to kind of lean off, leave off with that part for this week. So, um, new Pharaoh in charge and threatened by Israel, who has become a great nation, and we'll pick up. So that is the end of uh, that is the end of Genesis. Um, just about here, we've come. Well, yeah, we've come to the end of Genesis, um, and uh, we'll pick up at Exodus next week. So, a key feature in Genesis is faith. Um, God is setting apart a nation for himself and uh, working to restore the faith, trust, and relationship that was lost in the garden. God has a plan, and his plans always start with someone hearing his voice, believing, and following. And then God uses them to do amazing things. And this is our story, too. So we, when I showed the chapters before, um, we're in that eighth chapter and it's not finished. You know, we're in the last chapter. It's not finished yet, but the end is yet to uh, come, but we're in that, in that end, the last chapter. So as we look over, um, the umbrella of the Bible here, the over umbrella look at it, um, so questions to ask yourself over the next few weeks is, how can I live out my part of the story in my sphere of influence? So we all have a sphere of influence, people around us, um, people that we're connected with. How can I live out my part of the story as I learn more um, as we go through? How do I carry this story forward and carry out the things that matter to God? And how can I engage and be shaped by the story, which is the Word of God? So those are just some, some things to ask yourself as you read over the next um, next while. And I do want to encourage you to go and dive into Genesis. Genesis, for me, I like history. So Genesis, it's kind of a fun read. I mean, in the way that it's it's a story. There's some shocking scandal. And, um, um, and you can really see how it's set up with um, how God uh, starts things out. So I encourage you to do Read that, and we'll pick up with Exodus next week and um, how God continues with his plan of salvation with Moses. So let's go ahead and we'll pray. Father, we love you. We thank you that you have a plan, that you 
set things up from the beginning, before the creation of the world, you knew that there would be a fall. You knew that Jesus would have to come to save us, and you were already setting up that plan. I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you have a plan. I thank you that as we read your word, we can just see that plan unfold and uh, see how everything is connected. We thank you that you chose a people. We thank you that you chose Abraham and that you made a nation. We thank you that you've chosen to uh, graft us into that tree, that we are connected and that we are heirs of the promise that you promised Abraham, that we are heirs of that blessing, that that blessing is for us as well. We thank you, Lord. We just ask that you would show us uh, how we can carry out your story, how uh, we can influence those around us, how we can show your love to others in our areas of influence and uh, to the people that we randomly meet through as we go throughout our week. And we love you, Lord. And we again pray for those that are sick today and grieving. And we thank you for your, your love and your comfort and peace. In Jesus' name, amen.